When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming up on episode 309 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the Honda CRV Hybrid, the BMW M2, the Lexus RX350H, a new EV charging joint venture. VW invests more in Chinese EVs. Ford launches the Mustang Dark Horse R and the Mustang Challenge series, swapping batteries with Ample. Bad influences kill uh, the Honda E. The uh, Volvo EX30 has taken some bad lessons as well. FinFast breaks ground on their new factory. And Sam goes to Cars in My Yard 2023. All that and more coming up next. <laughs> This is episode 309 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Abul Samet from Guidehouse Insights. And I am Nicole Way from From the Road Reflective Podcast. Welcome back, Nicole. Thank you. Welcome back. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, Robbie. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who I am or where I'm from, to be honest. Not to me, at least. Uh, I'm Roberto Baldwin, and I'm the uh, what is my news yeah. and features operations manager for Hot Cars and Top Speed. I can't news, remember minute, top news speed. News and features. What is operations. it? News and features operations manager. So I am for for news and like sort like next day features. I'm the guy yeah. who's in charge of finding those and assign and, and making sure people those get done. And then I have to look at a bunch of analytics. So it's just maths. All oh, the maths. <laughs> Ooh, that's scary. Multiple maths. Multiple. Not just, yeah. not just one math. It's a lot All of maths. Math. I look at a lot of analytics in a lot of different in a lot of different ways, and I'm just like, "All right, well, these articles seem to be doing well. Like Toyota articles seem to do really well. Toyota's the big thing. You know, they got the Tacoma, and then now they have the Land Cruiser. So that really makes sense, to be honest. I saw a new Tacoma the uh, on Friday night at uh, at a party I was at. We brought a new 2024 Tacoma. How'd it look? Was it nice? Yeah, well, we saw you it already saw it. Yeah, I yeah. didn't see it. But this Same is the mind. first time I've seen one like outside of a controlled environment. Um, is <laughs> this is there? Um, the uh, Bob Boniface, who is the executive director of design for uh, Buick, um, 
every year he holds this party. He's got a very large yard and he holds a party called cars in my yard. And when, when the Detroit concourse was in the summertime, it was always on the Friday night before the the concourse weekend. Um, Well, the concourse has moved to September, but we're still doing it. The party on, on the Friday night. So that was on Friday night. And there's all kinds of really cool Cool. and interesting cars there. And somebody came along with, uh, with a new Tacoma. What was the most, what was the the weirdest car? Ooh, uh, it was, it was a decent amount of weird, uh, <laughs> uh, un, unusual or, or, uh, something you wouldn't normally see around here. It'd probably be Richard Truitt who writes for automotive news. Mm-hmm. He brought his, uh, Rover 220 coupe. Uh, Ooh. it's like a 92 Rover 220 coupe, which is, uh, and it's in a, it's really cool shade of green. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. There was a Lancia Stratos, wow. um, uh, a Ford RS 200. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, Ralph Gilles brought his, uh, hallucination charger, his carbon fiber charger with the thousand horsepower elephant engine in it. Um, uh, Joel Piaskowski from Ford brought a, a Mustang dark horse. Oh, nice. Horse. Um, yeah, look what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, look what I got. <laughs> yeah. Uh so yeah, it was, it was all kinds of fun stuff, you know, it was classics, old stuff, new stuff, yeah. you know, a couple of Fiat cool. X19s. I should do that, um, but only like 3 cars can fit in my yard. It's like <laughs> cars in my yard. First three to show up. <laughs> There's about a hundred or so cars in Bob's wow. in my yard. Yeah. First three to show up. Whoever the first three are, you get a spot. The rest of you, there's no room. Yeah. You got to park on the street. You got to park on the street. Cars in my neighborhood. <laughs> I like that. Cars in my yard. That sounds like an episode of like, I don't like my neighbor. The cars in my yard. My neighbor has two cars up on blocks and one one in parts. I, I give most of my neighbors, I I, let the, I tell them, they come over and ask me questions and then I'll, I will give them rides in cars. So. I try to keep the peace with all the cars. My neighbor just bought a new car. She's very excited. What'd your neighbor she, get? She went from Subaru. She had an Outback, I think. She got a um, a Mazda CX-50. Oh. She's very excited about her new car. It's black, and she's trying to come up with names. Like, should I call it Elvira? Should I call it Raven? Because she has to have a name for her car. She's trying to come up with names for her new black Mazda that are, and she's really into like Halloween and stuff. So it has to be some kind of, I almost want to say goth, but she's the least goth person you've ever met, but she likes that spooky stuff. All right. She's, she's low level. She's, she's secret goth. She's, she's daywalker. She's daywalker goth. goth. She's daywalker. Right. So there could be a whole nother side of Sherry that I don't even know, but yeah. So that's what, so she's all excited. She was in her driveway today. She's like, look at my car. And I went over and looked at her car. I love it when people get a new car and they're happy about it. She's so happy to have this car. Yeah. We're all like, hey, look yeah, at this car I got. Yeah. Well, I got a new <laughs> car, but I'm happy because she's been forever. Oh my gosh. It was such a process. It was. There we go. Uh, uh, I finally dropped the right link into the uh, into the chat there after dropping the, the the first one three times. The first the first link I dropped is the uh, the Rover 220 that Richard brought, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, there was a new Ferrari 296 parked next to a, an old Dino, which is wow, lovely. That Dino oh, looks beautiful. Here, okay, this this is probably the most unusual car. I will I will drop it in the. You're gonna have to put these in the show notes because we're. Not- <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll put it. I'll put an album in the show notes. Right. Um, the, uh, somebody brought a Ford Evos and I'm not sure who it was. Um, but this is, this is a China market only, uh, midsize crossover. It's been rumored that it might come 
to North America um, as a replacement for the Fusion. It's oh. roughly the same size as a Maki, but it's internal. Yeah, combustion. it looks it looks a lot like a Maki. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, but it's it's gas engined. Um, let's see, there was a Lotus Seven. Oh, um, Brett Scott brought his Audi Fifty, uh, which is which he bought in Serbia. Um, it's a little orange Audi Fifty, which is it was from the uh, the nineteen seventies, early or late seventies based on the uh the vw polo uh very cute little car very tiny compared to oh look at the little car so you don't think that we're uh interrupting we we, we interrupted <laughs> nicole she's having internet problems that's so that's why she just disappeared we didn't just yeah. we're not just talking over nicole now because <laughs> she was talking also and just disappeared and then we just start talking about cars i don't want people uh, thinking we're jerks <laughs> yeah and and uh, oh, there was also somebody who had a Ferrari SF90 in green, which I've never seen before. Uh, in fact, I think this might have been the first SF90 I've seen in the flesh. I don't I don't think I've seen one in person before. This is a really big yard. It is a big yard. This is I got to get a job in the automotive industry. Oh, you, you, just... you need you need to be like the executive director of design for some automaker to yeah to 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 get this job. Oh, and Frank yeah. Marcus brought his uh, Sunbeam Alpine, which is a lovely little car. Oh man, these are all. This is a really nice one. Yeah, I'll I will I'll include uh, a, a Google Photos album, a link to a Google Photos album in the uh, in the show notes for this. Oh, look at a cute little car. Yeah, so you can get a get an idea of how big Bob's yard is. Yeah, Bob's yard is huge. Yeah, there's a lot of very uh, interesting uh, cars, and it seems like a nice chill event. Which I oh yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. You know, lots of people. You know, some, uh, from around the auto industry, friends and relatives of Bob, and um, you know, just come and hang out for a few hours. And after the storms we had this week, it was it was nice to just <laughs> relax. Relax and check some nice weather. Um, so it was it was great. So while we're waiting for Nicole to return, Robbie, uh, you want to go ahead and get started with, with what we I drove usually a car. do here? Yeah, did you, did yeah. Sorry, something? we I did drive something. I drove uh, probably the best one of the best cars you can buy today, just hands down. I drove the BMW M2 Coupe or Coupe if you're Ooh. whatever. I don't know Europe. This is just the UK where they say coupe, or is it everywhere else in Europe? Anyway, M2 coupe. Who cares? <laughs> uh, Six-speed manual transmission. Uh, <clears throat> it's fantastic. I had it in a really light blue color that my wife was not a fan of. Um, oh, I've seen I that it color. Nice. Yeah, it's, color. it's yeah. I like it. But she was just like, no, nah, it needs to be a little. She she need. She's like, it needs to be a little bit more blue. Either a little bit more blue or a little. She didn't because it, it it felt too like it felt like it was faded to her. Yeah. So. It would it would be interesting to maybe see that see the M2 in like the Porta Mal blue, uh, yeah. that, they, that they have on like the M4 and the M3 and some other models, which is a, a darker, bolder blue. Bold. Um, so. and you know, if you go to their site, it's the blue that's like right when you the splash screen on the site. Okay. So you got that going. So if you want to see it, it's uh it's it's right there. Um, it's fantastic. Just. You know, it has a twin turbo inline six. And the BMW inline six motor is probably the best on the world or engine. It's, well, it's, the, the inline six is the perfect iteration of an internal combustion form factor. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's, it, yeah, 
it's you can't you can't you can't beat an inline six that's what i'm trying to tell you and you know they put a twin turbo on there um it has uh, 453 horsepower 406 pound feet of torque <clears throat> uh it's uh, and, and if you're getting it you can get an eight speed uh automatic transmission and i will not judge you if you do that i will you know what i will judge you <laughs> <laughs> i want to say that i won't but i kind of will it's not true. uh it's it's fine. I don't I don't I don't you know do what you want with your money. <laughs> if you have the money for this, do what you want. But you really need you got to get the six speed manual. And if you don't know how to drive a manual transmission, um, get a friend who has like an old like Kia or something and learn how to drive it on something with very little power. Um, drive that around for a few days, get used to it, and then. Um, I don't know. Step up to something or, medium, or, and then and then maybe up to or, the MT. You know, you could also go to a performance driving school. Oh yeah, you can do that. You know, where you and, can learn some some good driving skills as well. Yeah, and you learn how not to ride the clutch, and you know all those little things. Make you do the little learn how the little heel heel foot thing, which I always have difficult with because I have big feet. Um, and so yeah, I got to get special shoes in order to make that work. Anywho. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I drove it around the Bay Area for a week. Absolutely loved it. Um, just just a joy on the back roads. Just just outstanding. That inline set twin turbo, you know, it's it's got just enough torque where, like, you know, we were talking about last week, where, you know, and some of these back roads, you can kind of keep it in third gear for most of it. Um, you know, but you're down, there's a lot of hairpins up here in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, you're hitting, you're, you're essentially second and third, just flying around. Um, it's, it, it's just great. I can't say enough nice things about this uh, this vehicle. Um, there are seats in the back. No idea if anyone could fit back there. I have no <laughs> idea. I don't know why they're even there. I, you know, <laughs> they're there, but yeah. Why yeah, bother? Why bother? I felt like that was the same way with the seats in the Mustang that we yep. drove the other week. It was like, I, how? <laughs> how? Yeah, they're just the yeah. If, you know, you like, oh, I got to take a kid somewhere or a, a friend. And so the person, you know, three people and one of the, and the person in the passenger seat in the front, like moves their seat all the way up. So two people are mostly, uh, in, in, unless they're, you know, short, well, obviously shorter to me, but, you know, maybe shorter than average height will have a nice time. If they're taller, they're going to be a little bit uncomfortable, but they still, you know. You're driving around in a in a Mustang, so that's nice, I guess. <laughs> right? But really, like, it's yeah. you're squished. But at least you're in a Mustang and you're squished. I don't know. We, we put well, someone I mean, in the what you know, and something like if you had the Mustang convertible, you know, you could have somebody yeah. sit sideways across the back seat. Yeah, you they know. put their hands in the air, yeah. waving like they just don't care. Like Lots of headroom. Yeah, we we put someone in the back of our my BRZ. Um, but he's the shortest person in the band. He's the drummer and he had to sit sideways and he, even he was just like, well, this isn't fun. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, back cooler to- before I got back here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, yeah. So the, uh, the 2023 BMW M2 coupe or coupe, uh, just, just a blast, just an, an amazing vehicle to drive. Just if you, and if you, you have the money, it, it has these like, relatively small kidney grills it does it has this very aggressive grills has this very aggressive front end um well the design is very aggressive but it's very compact it's not as wide you know those grills aren't as wide as you would see on the four series or you know the the ix or the xm they're not these gigantic things they feel very small they feel very compact um there's like there's almost this like the the um the design 
it's it's so angular there's almost like this this bit of tension just walking up to this car it's like it's almost like it's vibrating from its design like ready to go and you get into it and it's it's like a switchblade just you're off in in Um, some ways it it feels kind of like the original uh 1980s the first generation m3 you know yeah that that three series was kind of a boxy looking car and they had the same kind of blister fenders and everything yeah, yeah, it's very like like boxy. It's almost like a papercraft vehicle, you know, when people fold things to do papercraft, <laughs> and it's yeah, and it looks very Origami poly. Vehicle. It's like low polygon, like yeah. a Star Fox. Yeah, they get video game from the Nintendo Star Fox, like the first three D video game. Anyway, for the old people, they remember that. <laughs> um, it's got a starting price of sixty two thousand two hundred dollars. It's not cheap. Um, it's it's performance vehicle. It drives like a performance vehicle. It's worth every single penny. Um, for all the work they've done to make this uh, what it does. Um, the one I had had the carbon package. So it's, I guess, a little bit. Later. How much does that add to it? $9,900. I was oh, going to say ten grand. Good gravy. $10,000. And I'm like, okay, so I, I, should, I probably should look this up. I'm like, how much weight are you saving? Maybe 60 pounds, 50 pounds. It's, it's more about the appearance. Yeah, it's more about the and so it's because, because the thing is with most of the carbon packages on most of these vehicles, it's it, like oh, we replaced some of the they're, hood. They're, yeah, you're you're putting parts on places where they're not structural anyway. <laughs> it's just like oh, look at the top right here. Like yeah, this doesn't yeah. really do anything. It's these bars that are. It's not like the carbon, you know. It's not like the i three where the whole like you know the bathtub is carbon, the whole frame is carbon. Yeah, or you know, putting carbon you know pieces on your center console and your dashboard. It's like yeah, it just looks cool. Yeah. So, I, I mean, if you're if you're rich, if you you know you're not, I'm, I'm going to spend ten, you know, if I'm going to spend sixty two thousand or sixty three thousand, I might as well spend seventy five thousand. <laughs> What's another ten grand? <laughs> What's another ten grand? Um, yeah. So yeah, this it's so yeah, that was the big. The, the big ad um so the, the the final price for the vehicle is seventy five thousand three hundred forty five dollars um still pretty much worth it but i mean you can get it for cheaper <laughs> so i'm trying to tell you uh it gives it is a uh, it is a thirsty beast it is a um uh 19 miles per gallon that's combined um and highway is 24 city 16 I was getting like 18 because I'm, would, I'm testing this car. So just so you know, yeah. <laughs> would, I mean, would, is this something that you would consider using as a daily driver? Yeah. You know, you put it in, in the comfort mode. So it, you get in and it's just like, it just defaults to sort of like a comfort mode and then, or normal. And then you hit a button and then there's sport and then there's track. And then of course you have the M buttons where you can like set up your, you know, the modes that you want. Like you can have the engine going, you know, up to sport plus, but you want, you know, comfort still for suspension, which a lot of people do. And so you can, you can sort of set it up the way you like it. Um, But driving it around, it was actually pretty comfortable. It had the seats, it had those sport seats where it has that like sort of like thing near your crotch in the middle. The little just to make splitter. sure you don't slide down under the steering wheel. Yeah, yeah. So it has the crotch splitter, the leg splitter <laughs> in your crotch. Um, but the seats were actually uh, comfortable. I, I I fit really well in sport seats, so that's you know that's you, you need to get in the car and, and try them out. So I drove it, or you know, I took it to uh, to the city. My wife and I went to dinner in the city, and we're like, oh, we're just driving. You want? Do we want to take this car? Or do we want to take the Hyundai? And we're like, oh, well, let's just take the the review car. I'm like, okay. So we get in the city. It's fine. We eat dinner. We have a nice time. We get out. It's Carmageddon. 
So uh, over the weekend that I had the car, they shut down the freeway near my house for like going in one direction, which is the direction oh. coming from the city because they're just redoing the whole. So they shut down for the entire weekend. Then there was someone in having uh, mental duress on one of the, the bridges. One of oh, the two I heard about that, this. She, uh, yes. Woman and they were. And she was. <clears throat> firing a no, gun no 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 this is a different person this is a different person oh. this person <laughs> different mental was riding riding their bike and then they climbed down to the lower level <laughs> and they were like getting ready to jump and so that was closed for like 12 15 hours so because all that in order you couldn't go one way but you couldn't go another way so, you, so everyone had to go over the bay bridge to get out of the city essentially because if you try to go over the golden gate you got stuck in traffic and if you, you know so you had to go over the bay bridge the 24 it's this whole huge mess and so it took us two hours to get out of the city, which is two hours of, you know, stop and go inside San Francisco on the hills with, you know, because I was like, oh, I'm going to take all my shortcuts was in Bald Hills. Transmission was great. Outstanding. Just just wonderful. Clutch. Outstanding. This is a car with 3,200 miles at this point, which means that other journalists have driven it. And, you know, sometimes they're not all great. Some of them like melt the clutch while they're <laughs> driving. Um Probably no, had his tires great. replaced three times already. Yeah, yeah. but I, yeah, I was comfortable. It was yeah, no, it was it was it was uh, it was comfortable for for being stuck in traffic. So we just listened to music and sat there, and the clutch isn't too hard. You know, you, you sometimes you get those sport clutches, and they're just like miserable. Ah, yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I saw, think that was a, that was a good test of what you know. Could you just sit in this car? For, <laughs> I have this ahead. memory of having to drive a Hellcat in really he a manual Hellcat in really heavy, heavy, heavy traffic in Boston, and thinking by the time I got out of it, I'm like, I'm just gonna die now. Like my leg. <laughs> I was like, this is the worst. It was super fun going fast. It was not fun at all stuck in traffic. Yeah. So yeah. So you know, if it this is you know, especially if you're used to driving a manual transmission all the time, which that's what I have is a manual transmission. So. Um, it's yeah, it, it was fine. It was comfortable for the long drive. Uh, you know, the seats are very German specific, so larger Americans might not. Again, you know, you, you should sit in the seats is what I, I'm trying to say. I had I had those seats in the M4 competition coupe mm -hmm. and went out to dinner with my wife and she hated them. Really? Yeah, she did not like those seats. Yeah, so that's the other thing. You got to make sure the person you, you know, your partners is, is cool with what you're buying. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, those, those are optional. You can, you can get, you know, a, like regular, a nice regular sports seat in there as well, uh, which is, a, you know, going to be a lot easier. And as a daily, again, as a daily driver, probably a better choice for most people. Yeah. Yeah. That was the reason why I was like, well, maybe we should take the Hyundai to the city. And my wife's like, no, no, no. She sat in, you know, they, they probably weren't her favorite seats, but she wasn't complaining about them. So I think she was fine with them. Yeah. So. As, so for the as driver, usual, it's, you know, make sure that whatever you're considering buying, you sit in it first and make sure you can get comfortable in the seats yeah. before you before you sign for anything. Yeah, the the, the John Cooper Works B, uh, Mini, I can't I can't own that car because yeah. of the seats. Like they absolutely, just, I cannot get them to to fit with my body. And I'm just, just like, well, car I feel like in general. I, I like, like I don't mind the harshness because you know I, I really love the the GR Corolla. It's just those mm -hmm. seats. Yeah, if you can get comfortable in a harsh car, I'm totally fine. Uh, so destination, what you're all, what are what are you, what do you, what do you, what, what do you think? Uh, you go first. Fifteen ninety five. I'm gonna say nine ninety five. <gasps> it's exactly nine ninety five. Of course it is. Of course it is. Well, the, the <laughs> reason the reason why I guess that is because contrary to what you might think, you know, on 
most of these more expensive European cars, the destination charge is usually less than it is on most domestic vehicles, even though they're shipping them from Europe or somewhere. Um, you know, and that's because you know brands like BMW and Mercedes and, and Volvo, you know, they're they're fine with you know they're not trying to hide price increases. If they're going to yeah. increase the price, they'll just increase the price. You know, yeah. rather than trying to that's hide true. it by increasing the destination charge. Yeah. Yeah, it's just up front. This is what it's going to cost. Do you want it or not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Buy it or don't buy it, we don't care. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, if you have the money, if you're a big car enthusiast, if you like a, a car that handles really well in the corners and is just a hoot to drive, manual transmission, and um, again, you can probably swap out those those seats. Uh, yeah. 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 The BMW, the M2 Coupe. I, I love the last M2. Well, I, think, I, think, M2 CS. I think those seats are part of the carbon package, actually. <clears throat> yeah. They're probably, oh, in that case, don't even bother. Yeah. Cause they have a little carbon, like <laughs> little square. Yeah. Cause they, the whole, well, the, and the whole, if you look at them, uh, I was, while you were describing them, I was looking again at the, on the, the BMW site, you know, and you look at the interior gallery, uh, the whole back panel of the seats is made of carbon, carbon. Fiber. yeah you can't yeah. even see that who cares <laughs> but you know it's there just a little extra carbon fiber you know you paid ten thousand dollars so yeah. well the little m2 lights up so that's kind of cool oh well that's worth it yeah, yeah. but yeah really mm, just get the maybe this the regular old seats i think you're going to be fine and the regular seats are, are sort of are pretty much just they're, they're they're they have the same sort of sport shape um and your yeah, courses, I mean they're so. they're very supportive. I mean, I've, yeah, so, I've, tried, I've used those seats in other BMWs, and they're they're fine. Yeah, they're fine. There you go. You don't have the unless you're planning to use it as a track car. Yeah, yeah. If you're going for a track car, well, you can just get aftermarket seats too. Yeah, but these will be perfect because they're already set up for yeah stuff. Did you know you can support wheel bearings directly? Head to Patreon.com/slash/WheelBearingsMedia, and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. All right. Nicole. Yes. What have you been in? Um, well, this is funny. I had a moment's confusion before the show because I thought I was driving the RX um, 350H and then I picked up the car key and it says NX. And I was like, wait, what the heck have I been driving all week? So did, I had to did Butch, uh, type in something wrong. And uh, yeah, my car key is wrong, key. but the car is right. The tag is wrong. But I had that brief moment of utter panic. Like, have I been thinking I've been driving a different car this whole week? <laughs> uh, no. So I have the RX 350H. I think the one that I had, I don't have a memory. I believe it is the luxury which is the top trim in the lineup, which is $58,550 based on all the little bits and pieces that were in mine, unless they were optional, but I'm guessing that it was the luxury. Um, this is a fun little car. I like that it, the, it's the, this color and I couldn't, I was trying to find the color and I was so busy trying to figure out which car I had. I didn't get a color, but it's just like, it's really cool green. It's like this dark foresty kind of green and it's very metallic. I've got more compliments on the color of this car. And it was funny because I was talking to someone about whether or not buying more expensive paints is actually worth it or not. People do notice when you have a fancy paint on your car. They do. because it's well, not an especially striking car in and of itself, but the colors is sort of striking. So I like the color this car was, and it got lots of compliments. Um, so this has a 
2.5 liter four cylinder. It's a hybrid. It has 246 horsepower and there is 233 pound feet of torque and there's a CVT. So it's a pretty responsive vehicle. I mean, this isn't a huge SUV. It's got two rows of seating. It's not tiny. I mean, it's, it's a proper, like you can sit two rows of humans in there. You could put three people in the back seat and they're not going to be overly squished. Even if you're taller, you have enough room for your knees. You have plenty of room for your head. So it's a great choice for people who really genuinely want to use that back seat. It's it's not just for looks or if they have adults, they're going to be putting in the back seat, not just the kids all the time. But even with kids, you know, the thing is car seats take up a surprisingly huge amount of space in a car. And if it's very small, two big car seats are not that far apart from each other. When you look at them, look at these would actually, you could fit two car seats, probably three without being like having to do it like a spring to get three car seats in there, which is kind of nice. Uh, so I like this. I had a fun time driving this. I had to drive it during like the strangest weather and circumstances. So I drove it um, through a torrential downpour that was flooding out roads and had flood warnings. Um, and then it was like 90 degrees and I was stuck in horrible Boston traffic for two and a half hours, just kind of putzing along, put, 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 like going like zero mile. It was not registering a miles per hour. It was like, but it's you're the going perfect too environment low. for a hybrid though. Yeah, it was a perfect environment for the hybrid because here's the funny thing. So I didn't um, grab the fuel economy because I'm terrible about doing that. But the neat thing was I filled this up. Normally, if I go back and forth to Boston more than once, I'm filling up a tank. I'd have to fill it up. And I mean, I just I went all the way back and forth to Boston twice. I got stuck in heavy downpour. So traffic was moving very slowly, but still I'm moving. Um, it was it was a lot of weirdly challenging and annoying driving that I did. And this was still nice to drive. Like, it felt like it was that case scenario, like, if I had to live with this every day doing the kind of everyday things you do. And even yesterday, it was down towards um, Gloucester, Mass, where the roads pretend to be two lanes wide. Once you get in the twisty, <laughs> you're like, this is two lanes. You see they're, a car coming out here. Are they, you're... like, marked for two lanes, but they're actually only, like, you know, a lane and a, a half lane. wide? Yeah, like maybe. a lane and a half on a good day, right. And then, so in driving, it's like we're following these directions, and it's not like you have other options. If it says turn right, your other options are left into someone's house or straight ahead into the ocean. You're like, well, I'm turning right. And you're like, oh, people are also coming down that hill. Okay, we're going to share this. And even though it's it's still a big enough SUV to work for, you know, like I said, the second row is really comfy. We squeak by each other. All the paint is intact, Lexus, fear not. Um, it's, it's surprisingly removable <laughs> in really tight little confines. It's cool. So, everything's cool, man. <laughs> yeah. Everything's cool. It's cool. Lexus. Everything's cool. It's all cool. It's all fine. It's all um, cool. Yeah. So I enjoyed driving this. It was comfortable. <laughs> I had, um, one of the things I really liked is they have this um, I believe it's ultra suede. I don't think it's technically Alcantara. I think they're just calling it ultra suede trim. It it's some sort of microfiber type some material. Kind of, sort of fuzzy microfiber creepy, stuff. Yeah. Creepy. That is on the door panels and it kind of oh, has like a sort of a textured kind of pattern <laughs> to it. But it looks really cool. So when you open up the door, it looks really cool. But what they have that uniformly every single person who was in this car, and I happen to have a lot of friends and family I was driving around this week, hated were the how the doors open. So it's a flat button that you press. So it's not, do you know the, have you guys all yeah. edit? You press it and it doesn't really push the door open. It just, just kind of it. like, yeah, it's sort of like it unlatches it. So everybody was thinking like, it's not, it's not opening. It's, I'm like, no, you. It's an, yeah, an electronic switch that unlocks it, but it's not. You like gotta push. The, you gotta push. And like people are expecting the normal that when you yeah. unlock a door, it at least pops open just a little bit, right? You wouldn't think that's a big deal, except like, I thought my best friend was gonna break the door off. So she's like, I can't get the door open. I'm like, Shh, breathe. Just push the little button, 
push it out. She actually pulled it. You know how the emergency release thing is? You can actually pull that towards you like a mechanical hand. Oh, yeah. Right? I'm like, well, okay, that's not how you're – that worked. Go with it, Nikki. That's fine. (laughs) But everybody hated it. Like it drove everybody nuts. I kind of got used to it after driving it for three or four days. That is not – but I think knowing that it was so not intuitive to every single passenger who got in the car. And even once my husband and daughter knew how it was supposed to work, it was, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. Every time they get out of the car, it sounds like the silliest thing to be a deal breaker, but man, it's, it's the whole mechanic, like just give us mechanical switches for doors. Like when I remember when I first got the, 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 uh, model three, the Tesla, for some reason, I couldn't think of the name of the car. And they had like, you had push a button and underneath they had like the handle. And they were like telling me, they're like, don't use this a lot because it wears it out. You know, this is how you. So I had to explain to everybody who got in the car how to get out of the car. Right? And I'm just like, why, why do we think this is a good idea? I feel like if you have you still to still have to have the mechanical thing, just have a mechanical door or at least give you the, 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 the feeling of a mechanical door. Yeah, I pull I something, it, it clicks and it opens like exactly. a regular if door. Exactly. When you pushed on this, there was sort of like, it's almost like the, the, um, when you, oh, what am I trying to think? When you push a touch button and you get the response back from it. A haptic getting, feedback. Haptic feedback. Thank you. It's like when you get haptic feedback, there's no actual button, but it goes boom, boom, sort of under your finger. So you know that you've actually touch the screen. If there was some kind of feedback that made it like mimicked that the door was unlocked, then you would just push it. But because it doesn't feel like it's done anything, you have that sense that it's locked and you're not moving the door. And it would drive me crazy trying to explain this to friends. And then once I'd explained it to my vast number of friends that drive in my cars, right? Um, All of them, the whole community of them, still having them complain about it every time they get in my car would be like, why did I do this? Um, So I didn't like that. I did love little interior door panels. And here's something else that I really did like. So on the steering wheel, there's the little touch pads on the right and the left that control various functions, your volume, and you can look at different things and cycle through various menus so you can see safety stuff and your tire pressure and all these different things. Normally, when you have a head-up display, your head-up display is sort of you, you pick what you wanted it, and other than it changing to show you like the number changes for the speed limit or it changes things as it's showing you directions for nav, it's a pretty fixed display once you pick the setup that you want it to show. This one, if you swipe your fingers on the left-hand side of the steering wheel, it shows those buttons in your head-up display. And if you swipe your fingers on the right, right-hand right side, it shows those buttons. And as you move your fingers over those sort of, like the buttons that are sort of hard to feel almost in the steering wheel, you see them lighting up in the head-up display. So you know exactly what button you're about to push. And as soon as you take your hand away from it, that disappears and you're back to the more clean display up there. I thought it was neat that you saw just whatever half of the steering wheel you were touching at a given moment, it knew. It's like, she's trying to use something over here. Let's show her what those four buttons are going to do. Oh, she's on the other side. Let's show her what those were. She thinks she's turning the volume up. Nope, she's turning it down. And you can see it. I thought it was brilliant because I'm the first one who's always like, oh, that's the wrong button. Ah. I thought it was kind of cool that it showed you all the, that in the head up, but only when you needed it. Only yeah. when you touched that side, then it was like, I'm gone. I'm not going to pester you the rest of the time. Yeah, just yeah, here, because yeah. clearly you're trying to do something. Does so, it have it for the doors too? <laughs> you're trying to not, open the door. That's what I need. Push door. Yeah, I need a little thing. Push. push. Um, and then one other thing that I decided, and I don't know if there's settings for this, and I couldn't find a way to set this. But the safety features, which are always great, one of them, it has that driver um, attention. So it can see if you're looking at the road. And the idea being, if you're either sort of like zoning out or dozing off, or you're looking at your phone, you're not paying attention to the road, it gives you a little like bing, bing, and gives you a warning saying, hey, driver, eyes on the road kind of thing, like to get, to make sure that you're focused on the road. But the funny thing is like, you're in, I'm in the traffic that was going less than one. 
So I'm just kind of sitting and I kind of had my hand just on the wheel at one point, like whatever. And it keeps thinking every time I put my hand and because my hand's covering it, it's like, you're not paying attention. You're not looking at the wheel. It was getting confused by my hand just sitting there because I'm resting it on the steering wheel because I haven't yeah, yeah. driven anywhere in five minutes, right? I'm like, you're right. I'm not paying attention because I'm stuck in traffic. But it was sort of weird. It was almost like it was a little oversensitive. So it got kind of annoying in heavy traffic because it's like, I'm not it's like car. I'm going nowhere. I'm just re- yeah. resting my hands on the steering wheel. Witness that I'm going zero. <laughs> Leave me alone. So that was kind of annoying, but I did love the, I loved driving it. I loved how roomy it was. And I love the little, the little ultra suede inserts on the door. So that's my Lexus 350 H luxury all wheel drive experience. Cool. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you like the styling of the previous generation Lexus RX, You'll love the styling of this one because it looks almost exactly yeah. the same except for the it's, grill. It's one of those cars, unless you parked them next to each other, I don't think you're going to be like, you'd be hard pressed to identify from the outside, which is the new and which is the old. Yeah. All right. Uh, excellent. Uh, sorry. Did you say how much it was? It was, and I, like I said, I have a Monroney, so I'm looking to see what they say. It's pricing for this one. The luxury 350H all-wheel drive is 58550 And it looks like that pretty much has everything that I had on mine. I don't think I had any extras that weren't included in that. Like it had the 14-inch infotainment and the 21-speaker audio and, uh, you know, heated and ventilated seats. It, it seemed it matched. So I think this is straight up how that comes if you get it that way. Okay. Cool. Excellent. All right. Well. I had the uh, 2023 Honda CRV Sport Touring Hybrid All Wheel Drive. Again, with the. It's uh, a lot of words. That's a <laughs> yeah. lot of words for a car. It, too, too many, too many words. Um, but uh, so this is the the latest generation of of the CRV, um, which you know is I think might be Honda's best selling vehicle now. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, it's, yeah, it, sure is, it has uh, to be. Yeah, because uh, it used to be the Accord was their bestseller, uh, and of course, you know, like Toyota, the uh, the the upper mid upper compact slash midsize crossovers, the CRV and and the Rav Four have now overtaken the sedans. They're, they're, yeah. The sedans are no longer nobody wants sedans anymore. No one for, wants sedans except for the people that want sedans. Yeah, the CRV is the reason you don't have a a fit in America. That's right. Yeah, because yeah. they. They, I mean, they sold pretty, they, you know, the, the fit did pretty well, but the CRV did so much better. Like why? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is an all new generation of CRV, uh, or at least as all new as, as most things ever get, but it's a new generation of CRV, um, which interest the, the design, like the rest of Honda's recent designs is not as interesting as the previous generation. You know, the previous generation was a little more distinct. These have gotten a little more eh. bland. <laughs> uh, for yeah, I think bland is a, is a good word for it. Yeah, it's not it's bad. Not, it's not. Well, it, well, you look at this and you're just like, eh. But the new Accord looks amazing. Yeah, that, Accord, that is like, kind of the exception. I see the every time I look see the Accord, I'm like, that's such a a wonderful looking vehicle. And then I look at the CRV and I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's okay. It'll do. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, it's, it's selling like hotcakes. You know, yeah. the, the reality is most people don't really care that much, you know, as long as it doesn't look ridiculous, yeah, they're fine with it. Um, And so, you know, that's fine. I mean, this, this is, this is the kind of car that is, you know, the, the typical, 
you know, smaller family, you know, maybe a couple, like a, you know, maybe a couple, you know, empty nesters, you know, that sort of thing that they're, they're buying this, this vehicle. Um, and this has the, the latest iteration of Honda's hybrid powertrain, um, all wheel drive. This is, this is the top end model. So it's loaded with everything. Um, and it's funny when I look at it, because the, the shape is more boxy now than it was before Mm -hmm. it, it actually looks a lot bigger than the old CRV did. When you see it in isolation, it looks it looks like it's a size class up. Yeah. But I was just checking the the dimensions, and it's actually only two inches longer. But it looks like it's much bigger than that. It's like in the photos, it almost looks like you could mm-hmm. throw a third row back there if you wanted. Yeah. Unfortunately, they didn't because there's definitely not enough room for a third yeah, row. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, it 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 looks like it's a lot bigger, but it's it's not. But it's big enough that oh, what were you gonna say? Is the wheelbase the same? Uh, the wheelbase is uh, is also two inches longer, or oh. actually less. It's an inch and a half longer. Okay. Uh, yeah, it just but, looks it looks bigger than it is. It's yeah. the opposite of the like the Ionic Five. <laughs> yeah. So so it's like an extra one point six inches of wheelbase, and then two point uh, two inches, two point one inches overall length. So it it looks like it's got, especially the front overhang. Actually, it looks it looks where where it looks like it's grew the grown the most. And part of that is because the old CRV had you know the the front the front fascia was more sloped back. Uh, you know, had a little bit sportier look to it. This one is boxier. You know, the the, the whole front fascia is more vertical, and it looks chunkier than before. More more like the Pilot uh, has for mm-hmm. forever, um, and so. <laughs> You know, it when you look, especially when you look at it in profile, it looks like there's a lot of mass hanging out there in front of the front axle, yeah. uh, more than before. Um, which actually, uh, you know, it's it's not that much, but it's 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 visually massive. Um, yeah, and like there's like this much in the picture. I'm, yeah. I'm putting my hands up, but I feel like there's like an inch or two. <laughs> yeah. It's just air. There's no radiator there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and the thing is that also means the hood stretches out further, so you've actually got a little bit less. For visibility of what's directly in front of you, which is a problem that we've been having with a lot of vehicles in the last yeah. decade. You know, they get more and more massive looking front ends, especially on trucks and, and utilities, um, you know, these massive front ends, and it makes it harder to see what's directly in front of you. So if there's like, for example, a small child sitting in the <laughs> playing in the driveway, uh, you know, you, you got to be really careful because you can't yeah. see as much of what's what's in front of you. It's not like you're looking for it all the time anyway. So I don't know what the, yeah. <laughs> the problem is. It's not like yeah, that's where you need to see. Sorry, you, I mean, you're going to be looking looking around you, behind you. you know, yeah, you're never looking, looking forward. forward. You. Yeah. Forward. Uh, Crazy talk. <laughs> all that said, you know, this is a fine vehicle. It's, you know, there's some some really good upgrades. Um, you know, the interior uh, has a very similar design language to what they did on the, the latest generation Civic. Where uh, you know now you've got the the center touchscreen is you know the the typical tablet style standing up on top of the center of the dashboard, but a cr- all spanning all the way across the dashboard is you know what looks like a hexagonal mesh strip, uh, and the vents are hidden behind that, and you've got just like there's four little toggles, one on each end, and then two in the middle to direct where you want the airflow to go, but you don't actually see the vents behind them. Uh, so. Cool. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a nice the little joystick. The little joysticks, like, yeah. Yeah, throwing fireballs. Yeah. 
Um, lot, lots of room in the back seat, uh, front seat, plenty of room as well. The seats, Honda seats have always been really comfortable, uh, at least for me anyway. I've always found them very, very comfortable to sit in for, for longer drives. And I had to um, drive uh, drive over to Windsor last week when I had this thing. Um, and it was it was fine for, you know, you know, for an hour, a little, little more, an hour yeah. and 20 minutes each way. Um, so very, very pleasant to drive. The, um, the performance is fine. It's not exceptional, uh, you know, with this one, this is the hybrid, uh, and all wheel drive and loaded. So it's, it's the heaviest iteration. Um, but you know, it's, I think it's about 150 pounds heavier than the previous gen, uh, high, um, CRV, um, the two liter, uh, inline four with the, uh, with the hybrid system, puts out a total net of 204 horsepower, which is, you know, for a vehicle that weighs uh, a little over 3,900 pounds. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's not great. Even in sport mode, you put it in sport mode, you know, it, it doesn't feel particularly sprightly, but uh, you know, it, it does fine. Yeah. It's 3,926 pounds. It's a um, CRV. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's more than adequate. Um, it is quite fuel efficient uh you know it's rated at 36 miles per gallon combined i got uh about 35 in my driving um and you know it was there's there's really not much to complain about you know the controls are all in the right places uh you get some physical controls for uh the things that need to be that should be physical controls like the temperature controls and fan speed and so on uh you're not messing around in a touchscreen interface trying to find that stuff you just reach down Give it a little twist if you want it to be a little warmer or cooler. Um, they uh, interestingly they they have stuck with uh, you know the traditional mechanical transmission shifter instead of doing the push button shift like we've seen in a lot of Honda and Acura cars over the last several years. Not quite sure why they why they did that, uh, but you know no no not a complaint, just a, an observation. Um, the instruments are nice and large and clear. Lots of cargo space in the back. Um, lots of, lots of room to put stuff there, you know, if you're going to the beach or, or whatever. Um, so very, uh, very nice to drive, very comfortable, uh, fairly quiet. Um, and the, uh, sport touring all wheel drive version I had, um, and see that came to, that comes to, that's the loaded version, uh, comes to a grand total of, Forty thousand three hundred and ninety-five dollars, mm. um, including destination charge. You can get the hybrid uh, for uh, the sport uh, front-wheel drive hybrid starts at uh, uh, or yes, thirty-three thousand six ninety-five. So that's a little more manageable. Um, you know, getting the leather and all the other goodies that are in the sport touring. Eh, not sure if it's necessarily worth it. It's it, a CRV. You don't need yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, if you do need the, the extra traction, you can get the sport all wheel drive uh, for 35, uh, which is, you know, that I think that's a, that's a little more reasonable. That's um, the one to get. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's probably that's probably the one to get uh, if you want the best best balance of all, you know, all weather capability, uh, you know, fuel efficiency and and and, uh, you know, the, the right side. I mean, even the base models are pretty well equipped and you get uh you know, 10 inch touchscreen with um, Android Auto and Apple CarPlay that's wireless. Uh, so all that works really well. Any guesses on the, the Honda destination charge? 
Ooh. Um, hmm. Honda. I'm going to go 995 just because it worked out for you last time, which means I'm going to say 996. Of course you are. <laughs> Robbie wins it this time. It's 1295. Yeah. I told you that what I said only applies to like premium European brands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is built here in the U.S. It's a Japanese brand, uh, but it's built here in the U.S. Yeah. So it's going to be a little more. Not as bad as, you know, buying something from Stellantis where they'll, you know, Stellantis would probably charge you $17.95. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stellantis. Yeah. Um, so that's the 23 Honda CRV uh, sport touring hybrid all wheel drive. So nice, nice all around vehicle. If you need, you know, roominess for, you know, for a uh, couple with a couple of kids or friend, you know, you're going to be regularly carrying friends along. Um, you know, it's similar in size to the the RX, not quite as luxurious as that. Um, and and the doors open, you know, in the normal fashion with mechanical fashion. levers. You know, I just realized I've never had been uncomfortable driving a Honda or an or an Acura. Like the seats have always been like every yeah. Honda I've owned, every Honda or Acura I've actually driven from either. They've all been like, oh, this is nice. Like to the to the to the point where you just don't even think about it. Yeah. The the only the only one where I would have the, a slight complaint is on the fit. The uh, seat cushions, the lower seat cushions on the fit, mm-hmm. were a little bit shorter, um, uh. and I longer thighs. So I like having a little extra thigh support. Uh, but aside from that, you know, I mean, even that, it wasn't it wasn't uncomfortable. It's just you know, I would have preferred slightly longer seat cushions. But everything yeah. bigger than the fit has always been great for me. Yeah. Good job, Honda. Acura. Go Honda. Yeah. Go seat people. <laughs> All right. Um, so. Uh, this week, uh, what I guess on Thursday, um, uh, you know, we last week we drove the uh, the Mustang. And Nicole, I don't know if you have any thoughts you wanted to share about it because you, you weren't with us last week. If you any thoughts you wanted to share about driving the Mustang in California, yeah, no, I like the Mustang. Is when I've been talking about it, I've and reviewing the thing I said is to me, it felt like they took, um, the good bits of the Mustang and just made it better. Like, there's no gigantic, it didn't feel like gigantic moves forward to me. It was like little iterations better. The The biggest change to me that I thought was a great improvement is the interior feels much more open to me. It was always a little, so it was always sort of claustrophobically tight. It was very, very snug. And I feel like they opened the way that they redesigned the dashboard and the, re- the center console. It feels, it's not much, much larger, but it feels much more open inside. Um, so I like that. I like some of the custom stuff that they optioned out too. Like they have like seatbelts that have stripes on them now. You can get like a couple different colors uh, to make your, Mustang, your more your Mustang, um, and I thought the um, what they call the electronic drift brake, I think is what yeah. they officially call it. That drift brake was fun. Like I'm not someone who drifts cars as a rule. I mean, <laughs> how many of us do it all day every day? Um, Come on, you know you right? do. Don't I know lie. I got to work hard. Side shows with Nicole. <laughs> Size, yeah, exactly. So, but what I thought was kind of neat was that um, it was. I got you had a choice of getting into the car either on your own and having a professional driver you give you feedback like this is how you did on the little drift course or you could get into the car with a driver and he would go through while you were driving and like okay do this do that do the other thing i opted to have a guy actually get in the car with me because i thought it was um i would learn more and i would have a better feel for it because i don't that's drift always the better option really it really is you, and you even, drift all the time but there's someone who can tell you like one little itty bitty thing to exactly. take that person's advice always I listen to the professional drivers 100 percent. and even just driving like even if it's like a general like driving on a track in circles 
If you give me the option of having an instructor on there or a professional driver, 100%, put him in the car with me and let him critique the daylights out of every last thing that I do. Because you learn something every time. Even if they switch out which like instructor you have, every single one finds a different thing about your driving. And it's not that they're saying you absolutely are terrible. They're just like, if you change this, you'll get faster in a corner. If you change this, you'll have better control here. They give you all the, and it's sometimes the subtlest of little things that they teach you. So I did that. And it was funny. I was genuinely a little bit nervous because I've never really drifted like that. And we did, we're supposed to do like five laps and and there were short little, I shouldn't say laps, five little, you know, things through the course. It wasn't really a lap per se. But I found that by the end of those five, I was like, this is fun. He's like, take one more because you're finally getting the hang of it. Do one more because I think you actually got this. Do one more. And he really did by the time you're done. And I thought, if you were someone who this is what you you do, this is how you drive your Mustang. This is the kind of thing you were already doing already. You're going to find this drift brake makes it an absolute cakewalk, like so easy. And if you don't do this and you want to learn how to do this, it is really easy to learn and sort of to to manage the weight of the car to start to understand how the weight is flinging the car around, how the weight is moving front to back on the wheels. It is, it just makes it so easy to start to learn how the car feels as you do this. And so quickly, like I said, five little runs through there. And suddenly I thought, I get this now. And I'm not someone who does this all the time. So I think it's kind of brilliant. I think it's a really fun feature that's going to appeal to whether you're the hardcore driver who does that kind of thing, or more just for kicks and giggles, you might get a chance to try it now and then. It was really cool. Whatever you do, do not use the electronic drift brake on the street. Oh, no, no don't. Oh, never this use any of those drift things thing. this is a on the street. No. Closed course, even if you're not a professional driver or not. Closed course, closed course, closed course. Yes. Closed yeah. course. Mm-hmm. I've only had one instance where someone was, was, was tr- trying to help me drive better. Like it was, it was, that was, and um, it wasn't working out. But really? Well, what happened was, is the person wasn't in the car with me. <laughs> <laughs> it was in snow. It was up in Canada. We were drifting like Avance, the RS6, and he had a very thick French accent. Oh, <laughs> so he's oh, all goodness. You know, cool. yelling things at me in a French, and I couldn't. Under- I'm like, what is this man saying? <laughs> I couldn't understand. And everything he was telling me was like a few seconds after I did something, and then there's snow flying everywhere, so he couldn't really see. <laughs> so there was like, yeah, that's the only instance. If if that person had been in the car, then it would have been a thousand times better. But all they saw was like. Oh, he's doing something. Let me tell him what he did wrong like two seconds ago. Okay. Yeah. And that doesn't really help you. Car because there's snow flying everywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, uh, he can't understand half of what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, Nicole, what did you think of the, uh, the, the new digital dashboard setup? I was fine with it. I thought it was okay. I thought they, they gave you, I mean, you could check. There was something like six. I might be wrong on the exact number versions of that digital. You can configure that. Yeah. The instrument cluster. Yeah. Yeah. There were like six different versions of it. I think that there were yeah, it's different there. themes you can, you can pull up. Right. This sort of showed you the information a little differently, depending on just, I guess what you were doing, but also just what the heck you felt like having it. I think it's a lot of, it's just style. I like this yeah. one. It looks better. Uh, you know, you can use any dashboard for any application. It's a dashboard. It's an instrument cluster. It'll work. Um, I I liked it. I thought I liked how this the digital dashboard, how everything flowed together, like from the infotainment screen to the the instrument cluster, that it wasn't two pieces. I think the two piece, when it's two pieces, when it's separate screens, it's starting to look kind of old school. I think making it one long panel, even though it's two screens within that panel, makes it look much more clean and unified. Um, you you look like you don't like it. Did you not like it, Sam? 
I'm, I mean, you know, my thoughts on touchscreens, you know, yes. big, sc- big screens and cars and right, you know, I'm right. not particularly a fan. Um, right. Yeah. I, I found, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that you can display, you know, between the, the cluster area and the infotainment part. There's a lot of information you can display there. A lot of which I don't find to be especially useful, you know, or, you know, it could be distracting and, you know, also not having physical controls for the climate control, even though it's there permanently on the screen. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't like, you know, I don't like that, uh, that. I'm not a fan of that. I hate not being able to just turn the the temperature up and down and having to look for it and having to go into a touch. I don't like touch controls for that. I feel like, because I'll, I, so I agree with you hundred percent on that. I don't, I don't like touch controls for, for heating and air conditioning. I feel like that's just guys. I appreciate you can do it. Don't. But, no. uh, but I, but I did love the option to, you know, switch the, uh, the instrument cluster to the uh, Fox body gauge style. Yes. So. It was cool. You know, it's funny. I saw, and I, if I was driving or I would have got a picture today, I saw a Mustang that I'm going to say literally coming home today from breakfast, it was orange, like this like burnt orange, but it was an old school Mustang that someone had like spent some money putting stuff on. And it sounded, we're in a little tiny neighborhood. He's, he turns and it's like, like he's on a track. I'm like, Oh my gosh, what have you done? But I had this huge hood scoop on the front and he had like extra little Mustang logos that were like Chrome, the coolest old school Mustang today. I'm like, that's amazing. And why am I driving right now? Cause otherwise I'd be snapping a picture. I'm like, no dangerous. Don't do that. Yeah. Coolest old school Mustang today. Well, that's, that's the thing about older Mustangs. You know, it's often hard to find if you want one, it's often hard to find one that's still kind of original because oh, yeah, this is not the, original. <laughs> you know, people modifying Mustangs has always been a thing from the very beginning. Yeah. And this yeah. one was, there was a, I don't want to call it a hood scoop. Uh, what's larger than a scoop? What, whatever the next gargantuan thing that you could put on the front instead, that's what it should be called. It was huge. It's yeah, like the entire I'm not hood. sure what you would call that. Yeah. It was like the entire freaking hood. It was huge. <laughs> so um, there was more Mustang news this week. Um, the uh, Dark Horse R was unveiled. So mm-hmm. you know, we saw the the Dark Horse initially last September when they unveiled the, the 24 Mustang. That's the the highest performance street version of the Mustang for now. Um, but the Dark Horse R takes the Dark Horse one more step. It's a track-only version. And Ford is launching the Mustang Challenge in 2024, a single-make racing series, kind of like uh, you know, the MX-5 Cup for the for Miatas and you know, the Lamborghini Super Trofeo or Ferrari Challenge. Mustang Ford's gonna have their own Mustang Challenge. It's gonna run uh at uh five or six IMSA events next year, uh, to start with, and then beyond <clears throat> beyond 2024, they may add um version, you know, Mustang Challenge series in in other regions uh in Europe and, and maybe elsewhere. Um, and the Dark Horse R is basically a factory built turnkey race car. Um, that is specifically for Mustang Challenge. So you can order one of these for $145,000, uh, but it comes equipped with, you know, it's it's got full roll, FIA approved roll cage built in, seats, fire suppression system, you know, the interior is all gutted. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it is a proper race car. Um, and for actually for 145 grand compared to like buying a, uh, a Carrera Cup 
9-11, you know, or any of the other, you know, aside from the MX-5, um, I think the MX-5's cup cars run about a hundred grand as well. Um, all, you know, all the others are well into the multi hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it's actually not a bad deal. You know, if it's a pretty good deal for a turnkey. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know, I mean, if you've been doing some racing, um, and you want to kind of step up, you know, if you, or you've been doing track days and, you know, you've got, you know, you've got a competition license and been doing some basic racing and you want to step up a, a notch, you know, and get into something, you know, truly competitive. This would be this could be a lot of fun, you know. So, uh, you know that they, they they'll have full support for the cars, you know, uh, parts and and service support at all the events, things like that. So it's not a not a bad way to go if you want to get into racing, you know, as an amateur. Yeah. You That's know, if you have one hundred forty five thousand dollars, I mean, if, if you, you want to yeah. get racing, you're it, already like going to be spending a lot of money. So. Yeah, I mean, all, all you know, all in, you know, for a season of racing, you're probably looking, you know, closer to to 200 grand mm-hmm. um you know but you know when you factor in fuel and tires and uh, transportation and, and transportation and everything but still you know it's it's as as i mean racing is not cheap you know as the old saying goes the quickest way to make a small fortune in racing is to start with a large fortune yep um yeah. and so you know this way you know you don't have to start with an you know you don't necessarily have to be a billionaire <laughs> to uh <laughs> to get into mustang challenge so yeah yeah um all right plus it's built by must it's built by ford so it's not built by like your friend phil like in your your front in your garage maybe, yeah. so he's doing better than maybe he does but maybe, maybe he doesn't maybe yeah. he doesn't <laughs> maybe not uh, all right uh let's shift to some electric stuff um so this week um there's seven automakers or actually seven kind more more like six automakers really because it's like Hyundai and Kia, you're like, yeah, mm, all right, but fine. The, anyway, the, the, the press release said seven, <laughs> so we'll go with that for now. But it's really six. Uh, announced a major new joint venture to build a DC fast charging network, and the plan is to build 30,000 chargers uh, by the end of the decade, um, all with both CCS and NACS support. Uh, includes Honda, General Motors, Stellantis, Hyundai, and Kia. BMW uh, and Mercedes-Benz, and um, the first ones uh, should be online by this time next year, by middle middle of 2024. Um, and they are looking to compete with Tesla and and others. Yeah, and some interesting stuff that they mentioned in the announcement. Um, you know, they're going to focus on putting these, you know, in place in locations. They're going to be both in urban locations and along highway routes. But you know, getting them to locations where you're going to have amenities uh, like food, uh, restrooms, um, retail, as well as you know, putting canopies on these things. You know, they want it to be a better experience than current generation charging stations. Which I've written about like three times. I'm like, why am I parked in like this janky corner of like a, yeah, <laughs> of like I a retail about spot it nonstop? Like, why? I've must... written the article. Like, why there's no trash cans? I'm like, oh, I have trash in my car. Maybe I can throw it away. Nope. Yeah. No trash. Cans. I would like a soda. I would like there's a soda. There's never a place nope. to get a snack. There's rarely a restroom. It's like every other stop to fuel your car in a major route or whatever. It's like, yep, you got all these amenities here. It's like enjoy this hotel that's no longer inhabited by anybody except the Ching Saw Master killer come yeah. here charge your vehicle enjoy yourself <laughs> yeah it's it's finally and i'm glad that yeah i mean more charging better 
Yes. And more like, char- not just more charging, but more charging where you're not like, do I charge my car here or do I risk trying to go a little further and maybe not die? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Do I want <laughs> and, and <laughs> this of course, a tricky thing. You know, you, you're, you're experienced with that, Nicole, you know, from your attempted run across America, your Disney yes. Disney run. Yes. That's, and that's it. Like so many of the places were just so sketchy. And I say that both, I mean, I know, you know, I'm a woman, so it's, there's an extra level, I guess, of concern about being in a parking lot at night, by, you know, with in the dark with a flashing little, you know, one little half working light above my head in the parking <laughs> lot. But even so, I don't really feel like either you would want to do that experience either. Not, it's not, not the safest of environments. No. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's an Electrify America station near me. And when they first started planning to put it in, yeah, it was in the wall in the parking lot of a Walmart. By the time they actually got it finished, the Walmart had actually closed. It, you know, oh, they geez. shut it down. But there's still there's still a harbor freight there. But it's in the middle Ooh. of this parking lot, and there's no lights directly on the chargers. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so there's a harbor freight and another a uh, couple other stores there, and um, and there's a, a Popeyes chicken and a Burger King. That place uh, is dangerous. Like, harbor freight and Popeyes. Yeah. Because everyone needs more zip ties. That's essentially the Harbor Freight thing. Like, do you want to buy yeah. real tools from there? No. But do you need zip ties and sandpaper? Yes. Zip ties, also ratchet straps. I feel like my husband has never bought walked by a package of like, oh, these will be great when I need to secure fill in the blank with random thing. The Christmas tree, the two by fours, the stuff of them. Like, oh, yeah, the ratchet straps. Big ratchet straps and little ratchet <laughs> straps. And there's like some that like, oh, no, these are thinner. So they work. But I'm like, oh. Put it along with the zip ties, honey. Put it in the carriage. The, the little, the the the, the magnetic uh, little tin ma- or metal magnetic like uh, bowls. They're they're oh, much yes, cheaper yes. at Harbor Freight, and you just throw it under the car, and that way everything bolts. You just throw them in there. It's great. See, see? all sorts <laughs> anyway. of rain, and you probably have more of those than you could ever. But also, them. like at at like two in the morning when you need to charge, none of those things are open. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. When you're so. killing time at two a.m., you can't get ratchet strap zip ties or those little magnetic bowls. None yeah. of those things. <laughs> Uh, but you know, if if uh, you know, if you went just you know half a mile down the road to the Myers store, you know they are open twenty four hours a day, three hundred sixty five days a year. Unfortunately, go. all they have is superchargers there. So does uh, not help with, not without help. magic docks either. Uh, yeah, because there's only like three mm-hmm. of those in the country. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, big big EV charging joint venture, and this is. And one, uh, I, I reached out to both Mercedes and General Motors because both of them have previously announced their own investments in chargers. Mercedes at CES this year announced they were building a charging network, and um, GM has previously announced uh, investments with um, with uh, partnerships with EVGo uh, to build, I think, about twenty seven hundred chargers, as well as uh, one with Pilot uh, earlier this year to put them at five hundred Pilot. Uh, stations, Pilot Flying J truck stops across the U.S. Um, and so this thirty thousand number is actually in addition to those. This they're not they're not counting those chargers. That's about between Mercedes and GM. There's probably uh, between forty five hundred and five thousand chargers. I think that they're they're planning to put in. Um, and th- this is another thirty thousand on top of that. Plus, they also listed this as the founding members, but it's not necessarily the only members. This could be, you know, if other automakers wanted to join this group and invest more and increase the number of chargers, they can do that too. So, yay, more charging. More chargers, yay. Um, And then, you know, as an alternative to charging, there's battery swapping. 
And Robbie, you wrote something about battery swapping this week. Oh, yeah, I did. Uh, so <laughs> I went and I talked to the, uh, the head honcho over at Ample. They're a battery swapping company. I've talked to them before. Um, and, you know, they're very much, uh, you know, at the, t- the first time I talked to them, they were very much like, oh, you know, we have some specially outfitted vehicles for, for, for ride hailing, Uber, Lyft, that sort of thing. And they're like, okay. Um, now they have a deal. And now this is very confusing with Daimler's Mitsubishi Fuso. Daimler, the truck, the company owns the, the Mitsubishi truck brand, but not Mitsubishi. I know. They also own like Peterbilt and Mac and a bunch of other things. But like, Daimler also no longer is affiliated with Mercedes-Benz. Cars. Yeah, there's a it's a different there are two different entities now. They've they've split up. Anyway, so Mitsubishi Fuso, I've actually driven this vehicle, the electric uh, version before. Um and now they have a deal and they're doing a pilot program in Japan where these 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 Mitsubishi, these these panel trucks essentially like just drive around town, you know, the ones you see everywhere. Um will do battery swapping. So they pull into these little stations. These little modules get pulled out by little robots. New modules are, are popped back in. The truck drives away. Five, five minutes, you're back to doing all your deliveries. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Um, and, it's, and I think it works really well for, uh, for that sort of situation. When it comes to individual vehicles, um, it's a little, uh, a little bit more complex. As Sam helped point out, Sam was, I, I use Sam as a, as, a, <laughs> as a source of my article. Hey, Sam, I need some, some answers. Go, Sam. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot more difficult because you have to come up with standards for batteries. And if you're working closely with a fleet company or a company that builds fleet vehicles, that makes a lot more sense because you're not building, you know, hundreds of thousands of these, you know, unlike, let's say, a Honda CRV, you only need these like, you know, 10,000, maybe 5,000, 1,000 of them. And you want then those are going to be on the road constantly. And that's how they make money. And the fleet managers want these things. They, you know, the idea of like having to build uh, charging infrastructure in your let's say your garage for let's say 10 cars is fine but if you have a hundred of these things yeah that's it's it's a bit more difficult so it's it's a really nice uh addition to how the charging network is going to be built out in the country and the infrastructure and i think it makes a lot of sense for uh some of these fleets um but I, yeah, I don't think it's it's it's. I think it's going to be a, a very long time, and I I don't even think by the time it makes sense for regular cars, we're probably going to have solid state. So that even makes it at that point, it's like trying to swap out a gas you know, the gas tank because doesn't make <laughs> yeah. sense at all. Yeah, solid state is going to charge so so much more quicker. You know, it's going to be quicker. It's going to you know. That's so the theory, at least. The theory, yeah, the theory. If they can fix those darn darn dendrites, uh, yeah. that's the theory. <laughs> Look up dendrites. It's a fun thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, the you know the interesting thing about Apple is kind of their their approach to battery swapping, which is a little bit different from what other companies have done. You know, like going back to two thousand eight nine, there was a an Israeli company called Better Place that did this. Tesla briefly did it with one swap station uh, that they built just so they could get extra Zev credits from the state of California that they could then sell at a premium. Uh, Neo does this in China now and also in a couple of places in Europe where they swap the entire battery pack and they just drop the whole battery pack out of the car, move it over, put a freshly charged pack in the car. And that's where, you know, the whole standards thing comes into play because everybody, you know, every vehicle's got a different battery pack form factor, you know, different sizes, different connectors yeah. and, and everything. And so it doesn't, it doesn't make um, a lot of economic sense to do to 
run swap stations for this unless you're doing something like neo where you know you can you can swap any neo all the neo vehicles have these swappable packs and they all use the same battery pack format but um you can't take you know a xiaopeng or any other ev into a neo station and swap the battery Um, what ample does is they have they've standardized it at the module level so they have standard battery modules and normally on most evs you know the battery pack is a big box that has smaller boxes inside that are the modules that are filled with cells. And um, so what, what um, Apple's doing is for any vehicle that wants to support their system, they will design a new battery pack case, the big box um, that will hold their modules. And uh, so instead of replacing the entire pack, they replace the, the stock pack and they, you know, they've done this with the Nissan leaf, uh, do it for some ride hailing fleets. Um, they, they've got some pilots in San Francisco where they've got a bunch of leafs where they replace the the standard leaf battery pack with one that's the same size and shape, but it holds their modules in it. And so that's a way to support multiple types of vehicles because you only you're only replacing the modules. And I think Ample also has a deal with Fisker. Yeah, uh, they have a Fisker deal with Fisker to do this. Yeah, and you know it's not clear. Fisker hasn't really given detail of exactly how they're going to do this. You know, if, if this is something they're going to sell to consumers or to fleet customers, which ve- which of their vehicles it's going to be on, we'll see. You know, if and when that ever appears. But <laughs> you know, I think Ample's you approach is, is is definitely cool. I think for fleet applications where you've got vehicles that n- need to have minimal downtime and you don't want them sitting around charging for long periods of time, and you can swap out those modules in a few minutes. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting how quickly they can get a, a charging station up. They can get like one up in a few days. All they need is a flat piece of a slab of concrete is essentially all they need to put it in. And uh, using these small these small modules, they can, you know, you don't have to charge an entire pack. You're just charging each individual little module. And let's say the car comes up, and not every module is 100% charged. You can still put it, you know, a bunch of them in there so the car is essentially 80% charged and go yeah. back to you know its duties. And That's then start charging the rest, the rest of those cool little idea. modules. And yeah. the car always has, like, you know, you have to worry about degradation because you're always getting new batteries all the time. And, right. Et cetera. That's a cool idea. Et cetera. Yeah, it's pretty smart. All right. Um, then another EV-related story um, from Volkswagen. Uh, they announced this week that they are – the Volkswagen, brand, Volkswagen Group is investing in a Chinese – brand ev brand called xiaopeng uh that uh you can't buy those here they're sold in china and they, they started selling them last year in a couple of european countries as well they're actually pretty nice vehicles especially their their sedans are pretty cool um and vw bought a five percent stake in xiaopeng and xiaopeng's doing pretty well in the chinese market um and uh they've, they've been growing uh and so they're going to be working with with Xiaopeng, you know, on some uh, some new stuff. Um, they're going to uh, so they're going to work on uh, uh, joint development of two VW brand electric models for the the midsize mark, market in China, um, and uh, so they're going to use Xiaopeng's platform uh, and their hardware. So that's going to help Xiaopeng with getting more scale and getting their costs down, uh, and it'll help VW as well because it'll it should be cheaper than their MEB based vehicles. Uh, and those are scheduled to launch in 2026. And then the other thing that they announced was um, 
that uh, uh, Audi uh, has signed a, a strategic agreement with SAIC. Uh, that's Shanghai Automotive Industries Corporation. And Audi and VW have been working with SAIC since the 90s. Uh, that's their, their main joint venture partner in the Chinese market, uh, building VW and Audi brand vehicles in China uh, at SAIC factories. And so they're going to expand that cooperation with Audi uh, to um, do uh, new uh, connected electric vehicles uh, to for the Chinese, specifically for the Chinese market. Um, and one thing has been kind of interesting, especially in, in China, the premium uh, foreign brands, like particularly European brands and, and also American brands like, like Buick, have been generally more popular in China up until relatively recently with a lot of Chinese consumers because they're, they're perceived as being more premium. But now um, the local Chinese brands are starting to gain more traction there. And so, uh, you know, they're going to be focusing on on designing vehicles specific to the Chinese market, you know, rather than the same vehicles that they sell everywhere else. Um, so it'll it'll be interesting. Any Any thoughts on any of this? I mean, you want to get as much, make as much money as you can in the EV market. It's for, you know, in the U.S., it's, it, they're still essentially, well, they've had to invest so much money that they're still losing money. It hasn't become a profitable, uh, profitable venture yet. And so anywhere you can sell more cars <laughs> and get a little, eke a little bit of profit and, and partner up with people to sort of spread the herd around. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that it's a, sort of the challenge, like trying to make money on all this. There's such an investment in the, in making this all happen in a way that is both profitable and okay, consumers buy in and are getting what they want and it's easy for them to access and production is what it's, it's such, it's such a huge endeavor. I feel like any way that they can, like, like we said, we made five bucks. Woohoo. Like go for yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, it took, how long did it take for Tesla to make a profit? Yeah, exactly. A very, very long time. So yeah, we're... about fi about 15 years. Yeah, yeah. So everyone's in sort of in the same boat, but they also have like, you know, Ford has F-150s that can just, they're essentially just printing money over there with that thing. They are. So it, it's, it's, yeah. But when you, when you're a stockholder, you don't think about that. You're looking at it like, well, we're losing all this money in here. I'm like, yeah, yeah. but you have money in Tesla. But you're making Never money mind. over on this other thing. Yeah, I know. It's the stock market isn't the, the it's always, what's the, the thing? Stock market is not rational. There's no not rational at all. Every time, every Apple event, one of the joke was every Apple event, they would show off a new thing and Apple stocks would go down. It didn't matter what happened. It didn't matter what they showed because the stock market doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it makes zero sense. No sense whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, you know, Ford this week they had their earnings call uh, for the second quarter. Their profits, you know, they've got three main business units: Ford Blue, that's traditional internal combustion; Ford Pro for commercial vehicles, and Model E for electric stuff. And Blue and Pro made so much money that you know their profits were were way up uh, for the company and exceeded analyst expectations. And you know, Model E lost money as it as it always has up to this point um, and lost more money than it did in the first quarter. And they also increased or, or um, they said that overall as a company Ford is going to make, you know, they're, they're projecting to make more profit than they uh, forecast earlier for all of 2023. But Model E is going to lose more money than they had forecast, you know, going from three billion to four and a half billion because they've had to cut the prices on Mach-E and, and Lightning. Um, but 
even though they said we're still going to make more profit than we said at the beginning of the year, the, their stock still dropped by like five or six percent. So, yeah, we're yeah. still going to make a buttload of money, many bi- many billions of dollars. Yeah, but, but this one this enough. one part of the company loses money. But yeah. we have to like really invest in this one part of the company because it's brand new, and we need to anyway. But and everyone's like, oh no. <laughs> they could have made so much more money if they didn't. You could, do didn't make thing. enough more money. If We're they gonna... have to do, yeah. yeah. Now it's a whole. I feel like it's a good time to buy an electric car. <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's actually not bad. Uh, uh, as long as you don't want a Honda E. Um, it, oh, this is oh, heartbreaking. This is sadness. This is just sadness. This this is sad. Oh, sad. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, we've, we've talked about the Honda E before. This lovely little electric car that Honda sells in Europe. Uh, and in Japan. Um, and you know, we've complained about the fact that you can't buy it in North America because mm-hmm. Americans don't want little cars. Stupid Americans. Well, yeah, now, <laughs> now the, now, now the uh, American love for SUVs is, is spreading to Europe. And um, so after the current generation of the Honda E is done, there won't be a second generation. There. What's instead. the phrase I'm looking for? This is why we can't have nice things. Stop this it. This is why we can't have nice things. Yeah. How can... <sighs> so I know it's pour, sad. Pour, pour some electrons out on the curb for the Honda. So instead, uh, Europeans are going to get you know some sort of larger electric crossover instead of the lovely Honda E. The E N Y one weird name thing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, Honda UK boss Rebecca Adamson told Autocar, um, there won't be more cars the size of the Honda E. I can say that confidently. The market and demand in the UK is the SUV sector, so that's why the focus is there. (sighs) Europeans are taking all the wrong lessons from America. Yeah, well, I mean, the the people running Honda, they didn't like the Honda E to be, well, up until recently, the the previous... uh, the previous leadership of Honda did not like the Honda E at all. Well, they didn't like electric they, anyway. Yeah. So the Honda E, they were just angry that they had to build it because so many people liked it. <laughs> and then, it, yeah, <laughs> there's a whole, yeah. And then the fact that it didn't come to the United States because of one person um, is, is sort of ridiculous. I still think it could have been a fun little halo car. Like, hey, this is what the thing we're doing. You know, we're not going to sell a lot of them, but we want to show off our electric abilities. Instead, we got the clarity. Yeah, <laughs> it was nice, and they were nice inside. They were really nice inside, but yeah. Speaking of taking the wrong lessons from others, Uh-oh. Volvo. Uh, Nicole, did you get a chance to go to New York for the EX30 reveal? Yes, I did. I I did go. To, I did. Mm-hmm. What What did you think of it? Well, it's another new electric crossover. <laughs> um, I. You sound yeah. impressed. I would. I don't hate it. Um, the interior, they have some neat interior things. I talked to their designer about the interior and about how they're doing. It's like the most, I'm going to probably get this slightly wrong, but it's like the most sustainably produced, like in terms of the percentage of content in various ways you can include it. You, you add it up a vehicle that Volvo has made. Like it, has, it doesn't have real leather, it has vegan leather. Everything looks still looks great though. Um, they have this crazy yellow. It's called moss. It's like this neon-y yellowy green color. Um, but I, I, I don't, I don't know. What do you think of the Volvo EX30? You know, I, I like the way it looks. You know, they they first unveiled uh-huh. it in Milan a couple of months ago. Yes. And 
you know, when they announced the price, you know, I think it's going to be like $37,000, something like yeah. that in the U.S. And I'm thinking, you know, this this could actually be pretty cool. I I, I like this. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a decent size, it seemed like. It's a little bit smaller than the XC40, but it's it's on a dedicated EV platform. It's not based on an internal combustion vehicle. It's been modified, you know, so it's got less than ideal packaging. So, you know, I think the size could be all right for us. Yeah, you know, as, it's a decent little size. I don't car. think the back seat is huge. It seemed okay, but it's definitely not a roomy yeah. compact. It's compact. So you right. I think compact. But, um, you know, then I saw this video that uh, TFL posted this week that, that Nathan did. And, you know, while I like the way it looks, you know, um, you know, I like, you know, where they're going with performance and, and range and everything. But then I saw that, you know, it's got no rear window switches. <laughs> they they took the, they copied the wrong thing from Volkswagen from the ID4. Oh. You got two two window switches and then a separate a capacitive touch switch to select to toggle between front and rear windows. No. Yeah. Do we not like complain that. enough about that? Apparently not. <laughs> I feel Apparently, like we should have yelled louder about this. Uh, I, I think so. I, I think we <sighs> we all should have written letters to everybody at Vol- everybody we know at Volvo and said, please don't ever please do don't this. Don't do this. Please uh, don't yeah. do this. I'm never a fan of things that switches that are more than one switch. I like, you know, I got to push a switch to use a switch. You're like, no. Right. I want volume to always just control volume. I want heat and AC to always just control heat and AC. I don't want it to do one thing now and another thing later. And the third thing, when I'm not thinking about it, just one switch, one function, one switch, one yeah. function. <sighs> oh, Volvo. That was a good yeah. sigh. <laughs> and, Maybe they'll and, change it. And I'll of course, it, it also doesn't have, you know, any kind of display in front of the driver. All it has is the one center touchscreen. Yeah, screen. the ones. The, 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 it's the, very, when you when you sit down in it, it's. It's so it's so clean. And I guess maybe this is something. Is this something where we have to get used to this kind of thing, guys, where they just take Minimalist. away so much of the dashboard that it like loses personality and becomes sort of sterile? That's that's kind of the Volvo way. Is but this one feels clean, different. Like, but it no, feels Volvo, like it's a lot less. Yeah, like Volvo always has, and I do appreciate their very the minimalism. Clean, minimalist, you know, typically stereotypically Scandinavian kind of look to everything. I appreciate that. And I appreciate their use of materials. And uh, they have this one thing where it's, it's, and it is made from recycled materials, but it kind of like, it looks like a splatter paint kind of pattern on the sort of plastic speckled on the, and you can, even if you run your hand along that, you can feel there's a tiniest bit of texture to all those speckles. I appreciate all of that. Like that's a nice little pop of interest on the side. But then the dashboard is so clean. It always feels, and this isn't necessarily a Volvo thing, it's just a, a in any car that's that sort of cleanly designed. From a design point of view, I guess it's like, look at how perfect clean this is. But from a visual appeal point of view, it's kind of like, well, this is kind of boring. It feels a little unfinished to me. Bland. Like I'm looking at something they haven't put all the parts on yet. <laughs> like where are the rest like, of the parts? Yeah, are we not done yet? Oh, this is a pre-production. It's like, oh, no, wait, we uh, are done? Oh, uh, Oh, okay. okay. And I just, I, and maybe it's just a matter of getting used to it. Maybe I just need to get used to this. Do I just need to get used to this? We should not have to get used no. to not having information directly in front of the driver. No, that's a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. Because looking, because I think we all know if we, we've all driven fast on a track and we all know that looking down when you're going fast is, you know, a little, little iffy. 
looking mm-hmm. to your down and to your right. Like I would, mm-hmm. I would never, you know, I'm on a track. I've never looked at the infotainment center yeah. while on while driving quickly on a track. It's just that's just a bad scene. Um, I have looked down and looked at the 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 speed. If a heads up display is always the best option, just so I can see, you know, speed right. and stuff. But yeah. Looking down to the right is it takes more time, and the fact, or just looking to the right, and and, and more cognitive load. Yeah, and yeah. That, yeah. So you're just adding, you're just making. That's the thing, you know, brain. Sam, and you really hit it. That it's that cognitive load. It's not always about like, oh, it's simpler or it's less clutter for your eyes. Sometimes, if it's all so clean and all so compact and all so condensed in one spot trying to find what you're looking for, even though in this nice, clean, tidy dashboard, is actually so much harder. Yeah. You don't realize how much extra attention it takes taking your mind away from the road. And it's not always just your eyes. It's literally your mind. Just you're watching the cars. You're driving in a straight line, but you're like, okay, this and this and this and this to turn down the heat that's roasting me to death. That's yeah. not good. You should just like one button, boom, and you're done. The yeah. cog- I feel like this makes the cognitive load worse a lot of the times and not better. Oh, it, it Vin- definitely does. Yeah. Because you know? the VinFast at least has a, a head-up display. It does. The Vinfast says, I was at Vinfast. There's a Vinfast factory. dealership like down the street from my house. I just saw it yesterday. I was driving past all the dealerships to see what yeah. they're, just to kind it, of see what was going on. And they all are full of cars now. And like yeah. the, the Hyundai dealer has like a ton of Ionic 5s. I'm like, well, that's good. Now people can get the cars without getting, you know, hosed. But then I was just kept driving. I'm like, wait, is that a Vinfast dealership? <laughs> full yeah, of Vinfast. They just broke ground on their factory in North Carolina on Friday morning? Friday morning. Yeah. Um, so I went down there for that and they had, it's like in the, by 2025, I think they're calling it phase one. They're going to be producing 150,000 vehicles in that factory is what their hope is. And they had everybody like their chairman and everything is down there. And they were, uh, the governor was there. Some senators were there. There was a whole bunch of media people that were really angry because they couldn't get as close as they wanted to get with their camera. And the guy was having none of it. Oh. Um, I like the guy cause they all walked in front of everybody else and it was like, Hey, <laughs> Guy's like behind the line. I was like, yeah, uh, go enforcer. Um, but it was a pretty neat event. It was neat to see in there. I, I still don't. I, I don't. I, everyone's like, do you think they'll ever make a single vehicle? I don't know. Do you think they'll ever make a single vehicle, Robbie, Sam? They make they make tons of vehicles. But They're I mean, on at the road. They're factory. all on do my. Think, do you think? The oh new yeah, factory? I think so. Yeah, I think people they, were they, literally poo pooing so it. Much. They're going and, for it. And they said like they're but never going to make a single car. I'm like, I think they will, guys. They're they've invested. I think they're gonna. All I could think of I when think they're gonna I, go I, saw for the, it. I saw the picture that you posted, Nicole, yeah. and all I could think of was 2016 Faraday Future broke ground on a factory in North Las Vegas. I know. And yeah, but, but no one ever drove any of those Faraday Future cars. That's true. I sat in that 26, before that 2016 event, I sat in one of their mules as they drove it around a parking lot. But I was yeah. just like, you, it, it wasn't like the interior wasn't done. The exterior was like nothing was done. You were just like driving around in a cage, essentially. But at least with VinFast, there are actually cars on the road that I see. Yeah, and I've driven cars. one, even though for yeah. some weird reason, they gave us the worst ones to drive. <laughs> I know. Let's, let's wrapping my head around that. So I think they, I think the person who had who who runs the company, I think he's so far in. He's like, oh no. I think at this point he's gonna he's gonna produce at least one car out of spite. <laughs> I know. He's like, I'm gonna build this whole factory. I can only build one. I think they're gonna build cars. I, I I feel like you know I feel like Vinfast is a company that people love to hate to a certain point. Like so many people are just because the car the launch. Let's face it, that car the launch, launch was bad. Issues. The launch was a mess for a lot of reasons, and there are people that had yeah. amazing vehicles at the launch, and people are like, how is this possibly in production? And it was and everything in between. But I really I I think they could pull it off. It was impressive to see this whole 
this gigantic space because you, you're like, we're on a bus. It's like through the middle of nowhere in North Carolina. And then whoosh, you open up to this field. And it's like, it's this giant thing. It's like this airport size landscape of clear land. And there's some trucks out there working in the background and stuff. And um, it's, Someone's going to get a really nice factory in 12 years is what I'm saying. Someone's <laughs> getting a nice factory. but they And it's supposed to be this whole like – they're doing this whole industrial – like this whole complex. So they're tra- trying to revitalize this whole area, bringing all sorts of business. And they've been trying to get a, a car company down there forever as far as the, the state of North Carolina. So they're super excited. And then VinFast did a nice little PR thing. There's this church that's like a – and like a 200 year old church that's not exactly on the spot where VinFast wants to build, but in the range of where, like, as this whole thing expands, the church could bite the dust. So, VinFast has actually said, Well, we'll put a section of our land, we're going to give it to you. And we're looking at the possibility of just relocating the church when the time comes rather than ripping the church pick, down. Just pick it up and move it. Just pick pick, it like to pick it up and move it. So, move that, it that we might, like, somebody might still need the space as this whole big complex that's not just been fast, but everything comes together. But we're going to give you a tiny little chunk of our space and say, move your church. Well, we'll move your church over here so that you still have a church. Well, that's kind of cool. It's like, we're not going to rip down a church. Go fast. Save a church. Anywho, no uh, head up display on the EX30 is a bad scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, well, we didn't get any listener questions this week. So, Ooh, wow, that's weird. Uh, yeah, their they're, listeners are slacking off this week. Um, Come on, so, guys, step up your game, listeners, yeah. not you and, Fe- and Fe- Robbie. Fe- feedback and wheel feedback at wheelbearings.media, or you can find us on Mastodon uh, or on Threads. We're on Threads now. Uh, no, no Blue Sky account yet for uh, for um, the show. Oh, uh, I have an invite. I'll send it to you. There you oh, go. Okay, done. All right. Great. Then I will set up a, a blue sky account for wheel bearing. So I have yet another place that I have to check on a regular basis. So. Today, Sam say I officially today my Twitter is no longer Twitter. It's X. Like everywhere it's X. It's branded X as of this morning. Yeah. That's weird. And they the just stole just they, they stole the X account for some photographer. They're like, <laughs> sorry, buddy. <laughs> it was for a brief time this morning. It was X with a with a Twitter bird. And I was like, what is this hybrid? And then like <laughs> I had a cup of coffee. Oh now the whole thing's X. <laughs> Uh, so that's it for this week. Um, we'll talk to you next time. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.